0: Good afternoon. This is Reverend Jay Glover. You are listening to Faith Talk. This is Reverend Jay Glover. You are listening to Faith Talk. And the topic that will be discussed today is redefining success. This is the, the fourth part, the final part of a four-part series that we've been uh, engaged in with Dr. Laquita Monley. She has written a book entitled Redefining Success. And so far, we've been going through the book with uh, much excitement. She's shared with great transparency. She's shared from her, from her wisdom, from her struggles, from her uh, experience. And she is pouring out into this audience... Her her wisdom. The, the book um, is a, a book I like. The book because it places uh, the reader on a uh, path or trajectory towards um, transformation and, and growth in their lives. It's it's about um, developing a growth mindset, and I expect her to join us shortly at which time we will begin to wrap up the the um, final three chapters of the book um if you don't know her story she's um she's an entrepreneur and early in her career or early in her entrepreneurial endeavors she um, faced many challenges um as we do in life but she didn't allow the challenges to um cause her to quit and she she trusts in God and 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 allow the Lord to to lead her on a path towards growth um learning and change um and so much was involved that that I, you know a lot of her, her activities is involved with business and you might say well why why are you talking so much about business in this faith talk well it's because it is the, the, uh, the cornerstone of her success, I should say, is, is her faith, which allows her to persevere um, through the challenges that life has, has thrown her way. And um, she's done just that. I mean, without faith in God, uh, I don't think that we'd be having this conversation today. So as we're waiting for her to, show, to come on stage... Um, it reminds me of uh, of Paul, the Apostle Paul. Before he was Paul, he was Saul, and he he um, he he had a mindset of uh, he was on a journey to go and and kill the Christians, arrest them, and kill them, and and it was on this road that he w- had an encounter with the risen Christ, and Jesus interrupted his life, and he found himself. Um, uh, his, his goal was now redefined, his mission was redefined, and he became the Apostle Paul, one of the largest contributors to the New Testament as we know it. So people's lives, when you encounter Christ, your life can change. I know mine did. I know that uh, if you haven't heard my story, uh, I was a, uh, a musician in, in the music business, and, and um, that was my greatest passion, was to, was to be a uh, musician, um, performing. I wanted to be a rock star, as they say. I was a teenager, and this was the greatest desire of my heart, was to, be, to become the rock star. And I had some success in the business. Um, it, it was a, uh, a journey that I thought would bring peace and, and happiness and joy to my life, but that's not where it led me. God interrupted my journey. He interrupted my life, and I had to change. And, and I changed because my view of success changed. I developed a, a different set of values and beliefs, and I had to adjust myself accordingly. So now we are going to be joined by Dr. Laquita Momley who, whose book I tell you we have been going through the, the, the beginning chapters and today we're gonna we're gonna do the last three chapters. We're gonna touch on them. And um, again, her life was interrupted at some point early in life, and, and she had to um, she was led to to redefining what success was, to nurturing and and developing her values, which put her on a trajectory towards change and growth. And that's what she's sharing in her book. So welcome, Dr. Manly. How are you today? I'm doing well, sir. How are you? I am good. I'm doing good. Um, you know, I would I would really for coming. Thank you for having me. And, and um, for those who are, there, there's a few people in the room, um, but for those who are here, if you could just, before we get started, if you could just tell us a little bit about the work that you have come to do now.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, thank you for that. So um, my name is Laquita Mondley, and I am a, an, I'm an author. I'm a podcast host. The name of my podcast is Laquita's Toolbox. And it can be, you can find a link to my podcast right here on Wisdom under my profile. And the objective of Laquita's Toolbox podcast is to provide the listener with tools, actionable tools that are easily implemented That will help you in personal growth and development as well as entrepreneurial growth and development. I am also a certified speaker coach and trainer with the uh, John Maxwell team. And I am, but most importantly, I'm a wife, a mom, and a grandmother. Um, The Lord is really blessed in that area. And, you know, through those lived experiences, helped me to lay a foundation. Um, to be really good at what I do as a speaker, coach, um, and author. So I've, I've been blessed to be able to travel internationally as a speaker since um, 2010. And that's been a blessing to be able to um, to speak in other countries and other cultures and as well as coaching with one-on-one coaching and uh, group coaching with those that are not just within the United States, but um, abroad as well. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, let me ask you a, a little bit, a, a little bit of a probing question. For those who haven't caught the first um, three um, uh, episodes in this in this series, could you tell us a little bit about the uh, obstacles that you faced early in life?
1: Great question. So, <laughs> <laughs>
0: early in life,
1: um, I met my husband in high school, and. We fell in love and we made some decisions that caused us to become teenage parents while I was uh, uh, doing my sophomore year in high school. So, we started life off with some obstacles. Amen. You know, being a teenage parent in high school and having to sacrifice what I thought was my life trajectory, like what I wanted to do in life, having to sacrifice that. And be able to deal with the consequences of the adult size decisions that I made. You know, when you're in when you're young, you're in high school, or even when you're young and you're freshman and sophomore year of college, you think you have life all figured out. Well, once I found out I was pregnant, I quickly realized that I was not equipped for the adult decision that I made, but God is faithful. Um, and I think I thank the Lord that He saw me through.
2: Mm-hmm. Not
1: just me, but and my husband. I thank the Lord for my husband tremendously. Um, being partnered with the right person in life is very important, you know. In that time he his answer and his response to the situation was much better than mine. Praise mm-hmm. God. <laughs> it was much better than mine. And, you know, these are things I'm talking about things that happened in nineteen ninety two and ninety three and um now we're in twenty twenty two and this, celebrated 30-plus years of relationship, 25-plus years of marriage, um, five adult children, and uh, six grandchildren, and have been blessed to travel the world. Um, mm-hmm. Not all of the world, but I've seen a little bit of it, you know? Amen. <laughs> Amen. So, yeah, life didn't start out easy.
0: Um, okay, I, I get, I'm telling you, I mean, to, you know, um, high school with child um, and you're in this relationship, who, with someone who turned out to be, from the book that I read and from what you've told me, a faithful husband, who who I admire for not, um, you know, he wasn't one of those guys that jumped ship, as they say. Right. <clears throat> and he may have had, um, he may have had reason to do so. I mean, he could have come up with reasons. He could have made up all kinds of reasons to do so. But <laughs> he he stuck in solidarity, stayed in solidarity with you through the um, through the thick and the thin, as they say. Absolutely, Um, and 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 that's that's admirable um, when it comes to um, relationships. I mean, we often, you know, with nowadays with divorce becoming almost a norm, Mm -hmm.
2: um,
0: it's it's you know, this idea of forbearance of 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 forgiving one another and Mm -hmm. continuing to go forward Mm -hmm. is, is such a powerful thing. I mean, you know, we all make mistakes. And, and if you if you're signed up to be in a relationship like that then then we need to learn how to respond to each other's mistakes.
1: Absolutely you know, I, I can say that um, our responses to uh, some of the situations that we found ourselves in has a great deal to do with the foundation that was laid in our life growing up.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes,
1: we made some you know we made teenage stupid decisions before we got pregnant after we got pregnant while we was pregnant you know we were kids Mm -hmm. you know you're making silly decisions along the way but our core values have been shaped by how we were raised the families you know the product the families that we were a part of and so even though being pregnant as a teenager was not in my plan and abortion was an option adoption was an option And neither one of our families were condemning us for whatever option that we chose. Mm -hmm. Um, As as a much more mature adult now, I realize that we were able to come to that decision because we had a really good picture of what family should look like. Mm -hmm. Um, And we had a really good picture of what taking responsibility looked like. Now, with that being said, neither one of our families were perfect. There was lots of imperfection and some would even say dysfunction Mm -hmm. on both sides of our families. But at the core of it, family is important. And that was the reason that I said, "Okay, no, I'm not going to have an abortion, even though it was on the table. And very much an option, and no one was condemning before. The choice was left to me, but my decision to make that choice, I believe now, firmly believe that it came out of how I was raised and the picture that I had of what healthy family looked like, and also the fact that I knew at that time I felt like I knew that my husband wouldn't forsake me. Boyfriend then, Mm -hmm. uh, husband
0: now. Right
2: you know. right
0: right. And and you also had, you know, the the other important note is that so you had these family values that that led your decision-making process or helped you to get through it. But you also you also had people who stood with you in solidarity in the face of adversity.
1: Yes, absolutely. You know, not just within our family, but God blesses, right? When when we find ourselves in certain situations, there's always that ram in the bush are those individuals that he sends as lifelines, right? You know, and he sent a life, he sent more than one lifeline my way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And me and my husband's way. And one of those lifelines that played a really big role in our life, um, was a social worker that Mm -hmm. was assigned to me as being a teenage, uh, being a teenager and being pregnant. That's considered high risk. Right. Uh, And at least it was at that time. Right. And we're talking about in the '90s, in the early to mid '90s. Um, we, but she was a, definitely a blessing from the Lord. And what she did, she did not. She not only encouraged me that I could still achieve my dreams. It was going to be a bit more difficult, mm-hmm. but it was still doable. She also encouraged my husband, and she encouraged my husband's family. She encouraged uh, because home visits were a part of how she, you know how she encouraged me i didn't just come to her office but she would come to our home and so that's how she was able to have a positive impact on our families um and it wasn't a one-off she stayed connected with us for over six years
2: Mm -hmm. and
1: so you know when you when you make up in your mind no matter how old you are when you're dealing with difficult situations and circumstances it comes down to our mindset Mm-hmm. If you're determined that you are going to excel despite every adversity, the road's gonna be rough. This book mm-hmm. isn't a you know a made-up Disney fairy tale that the road just gets smooth when you make a good decision.
0: <laughs> no,
1: <laughs> it didn't get smooth. It was still rough. We just had to learn to use our lifelines.
0: Right, 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 right. So, so early on, you know, before you. Um, got pregnant, you had a vision of what success looked like. and 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 what was that all
1: about? Uh, So, I I had a fairy tale in my head. You know, the Cosby family was the family that I wanted to emulate, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, my whole idea was Finish high school, I had that whole different world experience going to college and just absorbing everything that I could absorb going to college. And but my end goal would be the cosmic show, right? Mm-hmm. And I did not realize how much of an influence that had on my reality. Right. Like, I, I'm not saying that I was just you know crazy. It's like, oh, no, my husband has got to be like Bill, you know, like Cliff Huxtable. I've got to be like Claire Huxtable. It wasn't that. It was I wanted that image of a healthy nuclear black family.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Yes, the Cosmic Show played a major, major role, but I also got to see that in my real life. Now, Mm -hmm. the people who were the healthy black families that I got to see, you know, Granted, they weren't doctors and lawyers. Some of them were teachers. You know, some of them were different types of entrepreneurs or factory workers. They had different jobs, right? But what I was looking at is that career professional, you know, with the upward mobility, black family that was financially set. Right. You know, and but I and I did not want the five children. That was never a part of the dream. I did not. Want I ended up with that many, but that was right. not a part of my dream. Right, right,
0: right, right, right. So, so you know, again, you know, you have um, that image of success has certainly changed. Yes, and it came through um, some learning. You know, learning some things and unlearning some other things. And you have moved from being a person in need of help to now becoming a person who who is a person who offers help. And I admire that. and and you know, I, I think about those people that stuck with you, whether it was the social worker or um, your cousin Curtis, who taught you about the real estate business. and And there was someone else who, more recently, is stayed as as a kind of a, um, support for you in life. Um, but anyway, so mm-hmm. chapter when we look at chapter seven, you come out the gate, and it's called it's entitled "Adjust to Ascend," and you you make a statement that regarding tool number seven is continually shift your thoughts and behavior to align with your goals and values. So when I read that. To me, it's a um, uh, and remember, folks who are listening, we're we're on the seventh chapter already. If you if you missed the first six, you can always go back and get the book, and we're going to tell you how to do that. But um, uh, you say continually shift your thoughts and behavior to align with your goals and values. So now I see this as being a a call to self examination, assessment, <laughs> um, uh, a redirection, movement, progression. And advancement and, and the need for change. So what what are your thoughts on this um, shifting your thoughts and behavior to align with your goals and values? I think
1: that, that's everything, right? Mm-hmm. You know, when, when our life isn't in alignment with our core values, whether it's our vocation or our occupation, when it's not in alignment with our core values, we find it very difficult to stay the core. Mm. When we're setting goals... And those goals, or the or the path that we're choosing to take to achieve the goals, when no those things are not aligned with our core values, our ability to discipline ourselves and consistently walk out that plan Mm
2: -hmm.
1: becomes very difficult, and I would say almost impossible.
0: Right, right. Uh, And you say that. You say that. There's a. there's a sentence that's very well um, thought out. It says continuity must exist between our daily routines and the future we aspire to experience. Setting goals is not enough. We must also out- identify our core values and beliefs to come into alignment with those as well. So it seems like the, um, the, the core values and belief are the, are the overarching umbrella and and so what are you doing to get there or or is what you're doing not getting you there? So it's a call to self-examination and reassessing what it is that you actually do. How are you spending your time? Exactly.
1: Exactly. And, it, it, and that's for me, that's that's very important because, you know, a lot of times we hear All of these things about massive, different types of massive actions we need to take in Mm -hmm. order to become successful, in order to reach our goals. And and what I've discovered, you know, through this little bit of time that I've lived on the earth is massive actions aren't sustainable. Mm. You can't sustain that for long periods of time. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: human nature tends to, when we can no longer sustain a massive action that we believe in our core. Is the is the key to us being successful. When we can't sustain that, then that sends us into bad spaces mentally
0: and emotionally. Right. Can you give us an example of what you would consider like a some a massive action that somebody might attempt? So let's
2: say,
1: for instance, um, let's use getting up early in the morning as an example. Mm-hmm. Everybody can't do that. Right. And it's often, you know, suggested, especially entrepreneurs, that we need to get up early in the morning, 3, 4, 5 a.m. Right. And, and do all of these, you know, physical exercises, mental exercises, meditations, journaling, and get all of these things done right. first and then start your work back. Right. And I'm not saying any of that is bad. Right. I'm not saying any of that does not work. But to your core of who you are, there are certain things that are outside of your control that will prevent you from doing that type of massive action. Getting Mm -hmm. up at the 5 a.m. in the morning or the 4 a.m. in the morning and being able to sustain that long periods. Mm -hmm. Then when you stop, the guilt sets in. Mm -hmm. You know, the regret sets in when in actuality, if that, if you can't sustain that, then we have to do that introspection. Okay, I can't sustain, my life isn't set up to where I can sustain getting up at four in the morning. And all of these advertisements and coaches and different people in my life and said, well, if you want it, You got to sacrifice for it. Dig deep. We do what we want to do. And that that we don't want to do, we don't do. And if Mm -hmm. you're not willing to make that sacrifice, you won't get the reward.
0: Right.
1: All of that's true to an extent. But if it's simply impossible for you to do. Right. That type of talk that was designed to motivate you will actually be the thing that sends you into a depression. Mm -hmm. But say perhaps a time that is most effective for you to do those things it's four o'clock in the afternoon right. or 12 midnight or 11 midnight and you mm-hmm. can sustain it because right. it fits your lifestyle. Wouldn't it be so much easier to build those habits based off what actually will be sustainable for your life long right. time?
0: Right, 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 right. Right. Well, you know, I, I find you know I'm a chaplain with a university, and and we talk about this with students all the time about you know in their first year of, of at the university, they need to figure out what works best for them. Mm-hmm. You know, I've heard students tell me, "Listen, my best studying happens at 12 o'clock at night." I'm like, "Well, if that works for you, that's what you need to do." Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't work for me. <laughs> right. But but we do need to find what works for us, and and. You know, I, I really like the, um, you know, when you talk about if your goals are not upholding your values, how that can lead you into a problematic. You know, life gets interesting. And I'll give you a, a, an example. Let's say um, um, the tension that happens when when your actual goals and your values are not in line with what it is that you're working at. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say let's say you're a person who who owns a uh, um, a strip club, let's say uh, one of these exotic dancing places and, and a liquor store. Mm-hmm. And then you become a Christian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're going to have to make an adjustment. And, um, you know, you can't hold on to both of those things. To both of those things. You right. can't, you're going to have to make a change. So we have to be willing to, um, to yield ourselves to, to God's leading and, and what our actual values are now. Even if the Christianity wasn't in the picture, right? Mm-hmm. Again, if your if your if your goals, if what your activity, if your daily activity is not in line with your goals, it's just going to create tension in your life. Yes, it will. Yeah.
1: Yes, it will. Yes, it will. And that's a that's a really good example. Funny enough, um, mm-hmm. I during my husband's uh, second deployment. <laughs> Some of the guys that were stationed with him actually owned the local strip club and wanted to sell it. It was a very profitable strip club, but they mm-hmm. were PCSing. So, and the PCSing means they were moving to a different duty station, and they did not want to be absentee owners. Right. And so they offered a really sweet deal to my husband to buy the strip club, mm-hmm. and we were believers. Right. Um, young believers at the time and struggling trying to come out of a financial crisis that I caused by my first real estate deal going bad and that was a pointed decision do we buy that club that was a money it was just printing money or do we stick to our core values and believe God that the money, we would still be able to have businesses that will print money mm-hmm. without having to sacrifice our core values in order to get the thing that we needed to sustain life, which is money. Because we had five kids at the time. Right. right. Um, and, it, and, and it's something like when we have, when you understand who you are, you're solid in your identity and you're rock solid in your core values, there's going to be things in life that challenge you.
0: Well, you know, you say here, everything hinges on identity. Think, you say, think about a door with no hinge. It cannot function.
1: Yes, it cannot. It cannot function. when with Without understanding who you are, you'll never fully understand what you've been created to do. Amen. Who are the people we've been designed to reach? What, mm-hmm. you know, what major impact? Tony Evans has a saying, and I'll just paraphrase it. You know, as individuals, we're supposed to be adding value
2: Mm -hmm.
1: everywhere. And as a as a as a kingdom woman or a kingdom man, as a kingdom family, we should be landing positive impacts in our neighborhoods, Amen. which in turn lands positive impact in our cities, which in turn. A, a, a great city will land a positive impact in our state. Great states land a positive impact in our nation. And great nations land a positive impact in the global community.
0: Amen. Amen. You know, amen. But you, you won't know,
1: do any of that if you don't know who you are.
0: Amen. You know, that I this morning I, I preached at a church. I had to go preach at a church, not my home church. And when I got there, it was a very old and small church.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. I'd never been in a church so small. And I mean, it could be, it was almost like being in a chapel Mm. and, and, and there were, there were no more than 20 people there at the most. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I thought about it and I said, you know, our minds are so geared in ministry. Some of us, our minds are (laughs) so geared towards making every church a mega church. And being modeled after that. I said, well, this, this is certainly not the medical church And so, anyway, I told somebody later on, I went to a store, saw an old friend. He said, I told him where I preached, and he said, well, you know, how many people were there? I said, about 20. He said, what? And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Don't say it like that. You go where God sends you to need. If you're going to have an impact on a community, the amount of people there shouldn't matter. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so um, that's a re-evaluation of what success is and and knowing that, you know, um, the success is not necessarily that you have to be standing in front of 5,000 people.
1: Yes, the the success is what I've said or the principles that I'm teaching is it landing an impact that causes a person's life to change for the better.
0: Amen.
1: You know, I mean, what
0: if Jesus, what if Jesus would have, from the cross. What yeah. if he would have looked down and said, well, there's only 10 people here. I'm going to get down. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's
1: like, you know, the success and and I'm, I'm getting a little bit off topic, but I like what you said, because the success in the body of Christ as ministers of the gospel is not the number of people who are sitting in attendance, mm-hmm. but it is the number of people whose lives have been transformed. So if right. I'm sitting if I'm ministering to a group of 20 people who are already Christians, then what mm-hmm. type of positive impact have I landed on them to the point where they' they've already cried out what must I do to be saved but now have they been commissioned to do the thing that God called them to do mm-hmm. and did my message or my teachings help to equip them for that journey?
2: Right, right. If
1: I have people in the congregation who are not saved, who don't know know the Lord,
2: mm-hmm. in
1: my preaching and my teaching, have I said something that landed such an? It was so profound, it touched their hearts in such a way that they cried out, "What must I do to be saved?" And did they receive Jesus Christ as Lord? That's success.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, bringing it into the um, business world conversation. Um, if you were a real estate person, and you are. Um, You know, you might, somebody might have in mind, somebody who's not prepared or doesn't know much about the business might say, well, my goal is to buy 150 properties this year. And then they get the 150 properties and find out that they can't manage it.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Exactly.
0: So success is not always about the numbers. (laughs) It's about (laughs) your ability to thrive in what you're doing.
1: Exactly. Exactly. You know, a lot of... um, new entrepreneurs and and in, especially in the real estate space but in any space you they think that the challenge of entrepreneurship is is cash flow like I, I don't have enough customers that mm-hmm. is a challenge but growing too fast is an even bigger challenge
2: mm-hmm.
1: growing too fast and not knowing how to maintain mm-hmm. as you're scaling and you're growing you, and you don't know how to bring in the team, where to bring in the team, how to kids define the roles of the team. You know, you you don't have a whole you know a whole lot of things in place. That rapid growth can kill you.
0: You know, I can imagine, and I'm just using my imagination here. I'm not a real estate investor, but um, if I was to <laughs> go out and buy a hundred properties, right?
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: and right, I'm not talking about buying them with cash. I'm talking about mortgaging these properties. Okay. If I was to do that and 50 of those people stop paying their rent. You're in trouble. <laughs> a big trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I might be out of business just as fast as I got in there.
1: Exactly. You know, a, real estate is one of those things that, and just my opinion, because I do love real estate investing, it doesn't matter what the market looks like. Um, if you have the ability to hold on, real estate will always be a way to, um, to maintain wealth. Mm -hmm. So if you were able to go out and traditionally get mortgages for a hundred properties, that meant depending upon what type of loan you got, you were at a minimum, you would have to show three months um, cash flow Mm
2: -hmm. for
1: each one of those hundred properties. So in essence, you would have for all hundred properties, you'd have to show the bank that I had at least three months in reserve for each one of those.
2: Right. Mm-hmm.
1: And depending on what kind of loan you got. Now you mm-hmm. getting a hundred. You definitely not getting any loans with special benefits. Right. You're an investor for sure. And mm-hmm. so not only did I have to have that in reserve, but I also had to have so many uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars up front to close this deal. Mm-hmm. So I've given up the several hundred thousand dollars to close this deal. I have the deal where any other the properties cash flowing in the beginning, if they weren't saying it's a new bill and I built a hundred homes and somewhere along the way, nobody got in the to rent them or buy them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And after the three months of me using up the money that I had set aside in the reserves to pay the mortgages on, on, on this thing, then now what am I going to do? Did you have a contingency plan? Were you the only person on that project? Did you have investors on that project? If you had investors, how? What kind of plan did you have in place to pay those investors back if this project flops? Like there's Mm -hmm. so many things to count in the cost, um, other than saying I can walk in and get a loan to put up a hundred properties.
0: Right, 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 right. Well, you know, um, in 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 the spiritual. Life or or even um, even aspiring to be in a position of leadership in any capacity, Mm -hmm. whether it's spiritual or practical business, whatever. If you if you um, sometimes the 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 emotion of it all Mm -hmm. and we talked about this earlier in the book without the preparation. Um, can lead you to disastrous results. And, and yes. you, you talked about, you know, earlier in the book, you talked about um, m- a missing piece of information that you didn't get and it ended up costing you. So, what I'm saying is that the preparation mm-hmm. for whatever your uh, end goals are, and mm-hmm. in, in order to close the gap between your desire and your actual lived experience, mm-hmm. we, we require to engage in some preparation and, and learning.
1: Yes, yes. And that's the discipline. I mean, emotions, excitement causes us to want it and want it right now Mm -hmm.
2: because we love
1: right now, God. And I want that right now blessing. What I've discovered is the Lord is not going to bless us with the cattle on the thousand hills. Mm-hmm. Until we have the ability to maintain the cattle on the thousand hills.
0: Amen. So
1: sometimes those things that we get that we say are a blessing from the Lord are desires of our flesh or tricks of the enemy. Mm-hmm. Because he's not God is not the author of confusion. He's not going to give you something that turns out to stress your life. Mm-hmm. Because that's not how he operates. He's going to give you something that you have the ability. To sustain it and make it multiply and grow. Mm -hmm. So even like with that first property, I gave God all kind of glory for blessing my life. When in actuality, that was a purchase out of my zeal, out of my excitement, out of my emotions. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't fully count the cost. And I wasn't fully prepared to handle that property.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I lost it.
0: So, you know, you and when you're closing out the seventh chapter, you make this statement, you say, um, uh, search me, oh God, and know my heart. And then you say we partner with the Holy Spirit to take an introspective look at our inner selves, our, including our, our insecurities, our prejudices and self-image, which all play a significant role in how we show up in the world. So um, I think that this introspective look, this self-examination is problematic for a lot of people. Yes, I think our busyness gets in the way. Our goals, our goals, and our emotions and our ego gets in the way, and we want to skip over the taking a, a inventory of what's actually going on. Mm-hmm. And and it's a way of escaping and getting in the way of your mm-hmm. um, getting in the way of your growth. It holds mm-hmm. Absolutely,
1: our, our current culture globally is not real big on personal responsibility hmm Go. We're not real big on personal responsibility. There was a time when being a mature individual that was personally responsible took personal responsibility. And when I say personal responsibility, I don't just mean acknowledging the fact that I made a mistake or it this what's happening to me as a result of my decisions. People do that. But when I say personal responsibility, I mean not just acknowledging it but st- sticking and staying and and growing through the experience mm-hmm. to learn a lesson that you mm-hmm. don't repeat
2: mm-hmm.
1: what we often hear now um, whether it, from whether it's you know when people locally around us and even from a lot of our major public figures we hear excuses as to why it's like yeah my dad like you know, I, I'll use the whole Will Smith slapping Chris Rock.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, that was just wrong.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: depending on who you ask and why they ask, people are are saying, okay, he was right for slapping him. People are saying he was wrong for slapping him. If nothing else, these are these are two adults that are in the prime of their career. That they, they they are major role models. Whether they want to be or not what kind of action, you know, how did that look? How would young people perceive that? Mm -hmm. I'm a woman that's been with the same man for over 30 years. Mm -hmm. And I know my husband is not going to allow anyone to disrespect me at any time. Mm -hmm. But would he have gotten up on that stage and slapped this man in front of the world?
0: I think we can, I think that that, um, later on, In this conversation, we're going to touch on that emotional intelligence.
1: Intelligence. (laughs) Yes, that part. There you go, right there. That part, the emotional intelligence piece. Like, nobody wants to take personal responsibility for their actions. And even in accepting responsibility for the actions, we still hear bunches of excuses as why I did what I did. At the end of the day, no one can make you do anything you don't want to do.
2: Mm Mm-hmm
0: and you know you get really in in the end of the seventh chapter you give us a a takeaway and and you say this and this is where faith kicks in you say the lord provides vision purpose and the path for success Mm -hmm. and um you know i don't know if people believe that you know i think uh, i don't think if people are people believe in the in the, the activity of god in our lives and god's concern for our lives um uh and and you know you said the path for success. He doesn't he doesn't provide you with a, a, he doesn't throw money at your problems. Let's put it that way. Right. Um, but he'll he'll give you wisdom, um, to, and and enabling you to make better choices in life. Mm-hmm.
1: This is it. This is it. It's like I'll I'll use the the parable of the servant and talents. And well, you know what? For the sake because I know we do have people listening that are non Christians. Mm hmm. So I'll, I'll use instead of using that example, I'll I'll say this right. Um, those that may have children, and we've all have been a child at some point. My my children, as parents, we have gifts that we oftentimes want to give to our children. Right. But we understand their maturity level where they are, and so some things we understand that I can't give them right now because they won't know what to do with it right you know and you know we're living in a technologically advanced age and so your seven-year-old or your eight-year-old might want the latest and greatest iphone samsung galaxy tablet or you know just some you know thousand dollar piece of electronic device Mm-hmm. as much as we want to give it to them, we understand that if I give it to that seven or eight-year-old, nine times out of ten, it's going to come up broken because they don't quite know how to take care of it. They might know how to use it, but they don't quite know how to take care of it or even use it to its fullest capability. That's right. So some parents will, ha- will want to give that device, but don't give it, not because I don't love you, but because I know that you don't know how to take care of it.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: And that's what God does to us. He has all intent on what the blessings that are stored up for us to give to us. But if we don't have the ability to maintain it, what started out as a gift can become a hindrance. Mm -hmm. So why give it to me when I can't make it grow? when I won't be able to understand the full value of it one of the definitions of abuse is abnormal use Mm. I use something outside of its real purposes Mm. so I've abused Mm -hmm. I want a spouse and I can't understand why I don't have a spouse do I really understand the use of a spouse or I have a spouse But I'm abusing the spouse. I'm yelling. I'm cussing. I I am um, abusing them, holding away finances, you know, giving them my love when I want to give them my love. But if they're not making me happy, I'm not getting like we're not properly using and understanding how to take care of that spouse Mm -hmm. or allow that spouse to take care of me. We abuse a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm.
0: So now let me ask you this. um, Or let me just jump in right here for a moment we're going to move on to chapter eight but before we do that could you tell folks where um they can get this book and a little bit about your podcast
1: awesome awesome so my book is available on amazon it's called redefining success eight tools that i've used to develop a growth mindset um, those of you that are following me on Wisdom or um, if you're not following me, I'd appreciate the following. You follow me and I will follow you back. You will see the links to my social media on my Wisdom profile. If you go out to any of my social media platforms, you're guaranteed to find a link to take you to my book. Especially if you go out to my website at www.Liquidamondling.com. Um, on that website, for a short while, I have a limited supply of, of links. If you register on the website, you'll see it there at the top of the homepage. Uh, if you put your details there. I will email you a free Kindle version of my book. Um, and you will also see there on the homepage the ability to purchase um a paperback copy of my book. If you order it on the website, you'll get an autographed copy of my book. If you order it from Amazon, um, unfortunately, I can't autograph that one <laughs> because I don't actually have it with me. So you can get it on Amazon or from my website.
0: So what I like about this book, and it's it's right in the subtitle, I guess you say you're developing a growth mindset. So you're not claiming to offer... Ten steps that you take; these ten steps, and you become a, a, a millionaire. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> you, you are you are offering a um, a, way, a trajectory towards growth and expanding your mind, the way you think, and hopefully that way you think leads you to the appropriate response mm-hmm. um, and transformation in your life.
1: Yes, yes. And because here's the thing: as long as we, as long as we're being blessed to breathe, air, every day is a growth journey,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it, or it should be. If we've stopped learning and we've stopped growing, we cease to exist. At least that's how I feel.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know about everybody else. So, as I as I've used these tools to develop a growth mindset, what it does for me is help me to continue to see areas where I can be stretched, where I can grow, where I can mature, where I can improve, um, and and it makes what my life journey um, a lot more fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: So, so, uh, this is wonderful. So chapter eight, you know, I think that leads us right into chapter eight, which is redefine and refine, which is another call to action, the refining part. And mm-hmm. so you say success is a personal evolution. Yes. And, 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 and you say that you start out by saying that, um, success for, for you might not look at all like success for me.
1: Correct. Correct. And, and, and that's okay, because what I've defined to determine success to be for my life may not match up with your core values. It may not match up with your hopes, your dreams, your aspirations. Those are the things that I feel success is for me. And I have to personally be responsible for that. My mm-hmm. personal growth plan and my professional growth plan are my personal responsibilities.
0: Right. And that's why I think that I think that this book then is applicable. I mean, we've been talking a lot about faith, but I think that this book, the concepts that are laid out in the book are applicable across faith traditions. It's not like this works for Christians and it doesn't work for anybody else. Cool. Um, you know, it's, it's a, the, the principles are applicable across faith traditions and even um, the, for the non-religious person.
2: Yes, uh, um, yes, you
0: know, uh, I mean, you still have some sort of values,
1: yes. Um, mm-hmm. you no, know, I was just gonna say whether we may not all agree on who God is, some mm. of us may not even agree that God exists, right? But what we can agree on is the proper, consistent applications of principles reap a great reward, mm-hmm. good or bad, if we consistently. Apply poor principles, we will consistently stay in bad situations. If we consistently do things that are detrimental, think detrimental thoughts, have detrimental behaviors, we'll will stay in detrimental situations.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But when we change the way that we think, that produces different behavior, positive behavior, and those behaviors will then start to reach, re- uh, cause us to reach positive rewards we can agree that principles work whether we agree on who god is or if he exists and these tools uh with that are contained within the pages of the book are principles that help us shift the way that we think Mm -hmm. and
0: and you know the way that we think um one i'm just looking at one of the pages of the book and it says that you know, as you're redefining your su- your view of success, right? And that we need to re revisit that definition as often as needed. Um, and then you say that doing so is not predicated on what society says you should do or be, but rather on who God says you are. Now, I think what becomes problematic is when we allow media to kind of Define what success looks like for us.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: You know, for young people, one of the great tragedies I, I see is young people who are thinking that you know, mass, having massive amounts of jewelry represents success.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, um, <laughs> so so success actually is more than just having money. It is. It is. I remember years ago,
1: uh, Stephen A. Smith. There was a video out that uh, people had clipped a, a bit that he said on his show. I can't remember which one of the ESPN shows he was on. Like I said, this was, it was years ago. And he spoke to that. I mean, like him or hate him, sometimes he has worthy things to say. And this was one of those times. As what Stephen A. Smith says is, you know, look, looking at media, a lot of African-American uh, children, girls and boys... Mm-hmm. will think that the only way to success as an athlete or in general is to get that NBA, that NFL, that MLB contract, like, right. you know, the, all of the successful sports figures and that our culture doesn't shine enough light on the everyday individual who is making that type of money and more.
2: Mm hmm.
1: That's not the athlete. And he used himself as an example. Stephen A. Smith makes a boatload of money. Right. So run his mouth. hmm He's a mm-hmm. sports analyst, anchor, and achieving a Stephen A. Smith status is a lot easier goal to reach than hoping I'm a part of that small percentage of people. Who can go from high school to college to professional sports, and then in professional sports be that standout person to continuously get those multi million dollar contracts and endorsements. Mm -hmm. But if I'm really good at what I do in my chosen profession, then I can make a boatload of money. Like LeBron James, within his Mm -hmm. career, he became a billionaire. Can you imagine how much money his manager makes? Right his publicist, all of these people who are putting the deals together for him to get a percentage, Mm -hmm. they're right alongside him.
2: Right,
1: right. You know, like, you know, if I'm the attorney for a bunch of LeBron Jameses, or I'm the sports manager for a bunch, the sports manager who manages, I don't need but 10, 500 million dollar clients. Right,
2: right.
1: Right. You know, but it, and those things are more easily obtainable because we. It, but to to what you were saying, we don't shine enough light on
0: what success can look like. Right, and the activity, the activity in those, the activity in those in those industries. I mean, um, you know, I had uh, uh, somebody took uh, my granddaughter. She was playing basketball. She wanted to play basketball. She was very young. So they they took her down to the um, the Knicks practice. And the, and the coach, you know, um, the coach came out and introduced her to players, assigned her to a, um, a personal developer. Mm-hmm. And then after she spent some time with him, they were just introducing her to, you know, life as a Nick. <laughs> <Same>. <laughs> and, 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 you know, they, they, uh, they gave her a personal developer. She worked with him. They gave her a tour of the, the chef's facilities that cooked for these guys during their practice. Mm-hmm. And they gave her uh, 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 the, the, the workout, you know, the, the, the massage therapist and all of that stuff and the people who deal with the pain. And at the end of this day, the, the coach came back to her and she was the only one that was there with him and my son. And, and the coach came back to her and said, you know, I know that you want to play, but there's a lot of other opportunities available with the Knicks. Yes. That you can have great success in besides just playing.
2: The games,
0: yes. Yes. You know? So we need to expand our uh, exposures as to to the the um, the availability, of, you know, vocation availabilities in those in those fields. The athletes aren't the only ones making the money.
1: Exactly. And you know, doing that on a broader scale and letting young people know that there's multiple, like you said, multiple avenues to success, and don't let someone else's thoughts, opinions, and ideas. Determine what success looks like for you. Mm -hmm. You have to, if you want to be that professional athlete, to God be the glory, baby, knock yourself out. I pray that you get Mm there. But if that's not what you want to do, stand in that, own that, Mm -hmm. and become the best version of yourself. Walk into the thing that you want to do.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: That's what success looks like as an individual. We have determined have to determine what it means and in that process it's letting go of other people's thoughts, opinions and ideals mm-hmm. about us and being okay with that, that what I'm doing that's fulfilling in my life might make some other people upset, but they'll continue to live and see another day and so will I. You know, another you say get over
0: it. You say um um we, we do not remain yielded to paradigms that no longer serve us. Correct. Uh, um, I, um, I meet some students at the university who, who you know, they, their parents sign them up for the nursing school. And they show up in the first week and said, tell everybody, listen, I don't want to be a nurse. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Not that there's anything wrong with nursing, but, you know, um, we can't always tell we can't let other people define what our path to success should be. This is it. Or what it looks like. We need to find that space where we're passionate about, passionate about what we're doing. And it's consistent with our values. So if this young lady is now spending four years in a space that she doesn't want to be in, how much tension is that going to bring into your life?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's something that we as parents have to embrace. Like our oldest son, um, Loves music, absolutely loves music. He writes, he writes and he raps. Uh uh-huh. um, And let's just say, me and my husband did not like that. Right. <laughs> That's putting it mildly. Right. And so when it was time for him, when he finished high school and it was time he was looking at his last year in high school, when he was looking at universities. He found Full Sail University and he had everything he wanted to to do. Right. And he showed us Full Sail University and because we've never heard of Full Sail University and doing a bit of research that we understood how to do as people who were not in the entertainment industry.
0: Right.
1: We said, oh, I'm not spending that kind of money because Full Sail is private.
2: Right.
1: I'm not spending that kind of money for you to go somewhere where those credentials might not mean nothing later. I'm not doing that. And in our era, we forced him to go to a different university. Mm-hmm. Um and he lasted one semester. Right. And not only did he drop out of college in that first semester, he also left home not on a good note.
0: Right,
1: right, right, right. You know, years later, after the relationship has healed and come back, we also had an opportunity in that time to figure out Full Sail was one of the best universities in the nation for what he wanted to do. Right, right. right. Um right. But by that time, he had figured his own way out into becoming an independent artist. And so, yes, I don't You're like not. his version of rap music because, quite frankly, the boy cussed too much. But right. <laughs> I am a proud mama, and we go to his shows, and I'm like, okay, Jesus, that's my baby. I don't, you know, I'm right. <laughs> supporting him.
2: <laughs> right.
1: We, we right. have to give our children space mm-hmm. um, to grow and step mm-hmm. into who
0: they're supposed to be and do the things that they've been called to do,
1: even if we don't like
0: it. Mm-hmm. So, so what I'm getting at is that, you know, um, when you talk about redefining success and, and, and revisiting our, our view of success, if we've spent, um, you know, much of our young, younger life, um, being told what success looks like, it's going to involve some unlearning. Yes, it is. For ourselves. Yes, it is. You know, um, and that goes with um, in in the theological circles as well. Some of the things that we've been taught just don't make sense Mm -hmm. when you when you match it up next to the actual Bible of the word of the Lord. So we need some time to to um, to unlearn some things and and and. research and find for ourselves what our passions are and what our interests are so so let's do this thing we did yesterday i get to say one of your um tools and you get to say something about it okay remember that so I, that was no, fun and these are guys for and and you if you want to say more than one word that's fine okay. um, so so the one the first one is know who you are identity identity all right Relationships are your greatest resource.
1: Network matters.
0: Mm. Be a lifelong dreamer, learner, and doer.
1: Um, creativity.
0: Mm. Create your future self. Innovative. And nurture the relationship between network and net worth. This requires maturity. Mm see adversity as an opportunity
1: this one requires us to look through um a different set of lenses Mm -hmm. like in in this in this situation we have to be one that's open um you have to be open
0: Mm -hmm. well you know if we can just dig into that for a minute um nobody wants to be faced with adversity (laughs) (laughs) No. <laughs> and, and we certainly don't want to be in a situation where we have to find an opportunity inside of adversity. Mm-hmm. But there's always the um, opportunity to learn and not repeat those mistakes.
1: Absolutely. My husband uh, for years has said our, our perception is our reality.
0: Mm-hmm. In the
1: midst of every adverse situation, if your perception is as bad as your situation that's happening, you mm-hmm. won't see your way out.
2: Mm-hmm
1: when the way out could be clearly there you won't see you won't grow through it and learn the lessons because you'll be tunnel focused on the adversity Mm -hmm. and doomed to repeat it
0: okay so then the next one is continually shift your thoughts and behaviors to align with your goals and values
1: growth I would say growth mindset
0: Mm. and what's interesting about that is that your values change. yes. and and to keep your goals in line with your values is a challenge. It is. You know and, and being sensitive sensitive to that is is, is an awesome um, uh, part of self-examination. Then you say, you know, okay, that was great. So now you say that um, we're not bystanders in the kingdom of God. We, his children are active participants in his work yes um you know some people think of God now I'm, we're gonna I'm gonna address the, the the religious folk in the crowd but but some people even religious minded people think of God as as being out there and and you know some celestial being and and not really active in our own lives because he's too busy for that mm-hmm. but I personally believe that God is Active, alive, and active in my life. Yes, and, he is. And I need to be an active participant. I need to say yes, mm-hmm. and I need to listen to His voice and His direction. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. Partnering you know, with God—that's what I'm getting at.
1: Yes, partnering with God. I, if we, when I talk about this, and we're looking at God as our heavenly Father. And if we're parents or you blessed that your parents are still alive, mm-hmm. my parents are still an active part of my life. Mm-hmm. I'm still a very active part of my children's lives. I don't Did you say me. your
0: parents were alive? Yes, they are. Okay. So I was just going to say that even if they weren't alive, mm-hmm. the, 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 tools that they've given you and the experience that they've given you Mm -hmm. they would still be active in your life
1: absolutely my husband my husband's parents have gone on to be with the lord Mm -hmm. and because we've been together so long right when my husband is doing certain things to get on my nerves Mm -hmm. i can hear my mother-in-law's voice in my head just as clearly there you go you know, because you know, young, you're married early, and I'm consistently. I was calling her all the time and getting advice, and just she was. I, I had best mother-in-law God ever mm-hmm. made. Uh, precious, precious relationship with my mother-in-law, and I can hear her in my head. But my husband says the same things. Um, he can clearly hear certain things that his dad has told him when he finds himself in certain situations, mm-hmm. and it's like he can re- look back to some conversations and different things that his dad uh, had with him mm-hmm. while he was alive and it helps him in his decision making process how he you know responds to different things so mm-hmm. definitely you know mm-hmm. and, and with my parents uh, and my my parents are still alive and both of my my maternal and paternal grandmothers are still alive and mm-hmm. I definitely in some situations can hear my grandmother's voice clearly.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, saying things to me you know mm-hmm. and, and you know that that represents um, for me that brings raises the importance of, of um, looking to our elders and having an open ear to hear their voice and to accept their guidance and wisdom and mentorship in this world today I mean they they have um, been our mentors early on in our life but it's really important for Especially for young folks today, to not to ignore the voice of those who have been there and done that, as they say. Just like Absolutely. in your in your book, you had your cousin Curtis, who really talked to you about the real estate issues. He he was um he was a mentor for you. Yes. And and if you would have ignored his wisdom, if you let your if you would have let your pride and arrogance and oh I got this I know what I'm doing, if you would have approached it like that and ignored his wise counsel, you might not be where you are today.
1: You're, you're absolutely right. You know, um, with each generation, you know, life, some things. It, it, it's amazing. Each generation always feels like they know more than the previous generation, when in mm-hmm. actuality, there's nothing new under the sun. How we approach it and technology may be different than in times past, mm-hmm. but life's challenges are still life's challenges. Mm-hmm. And when we adhere to the wisdom of those who have already faced challenges and overcome them Mm -hmm. we might find that when we face those same challenges just maybe wrapped in a different package Mm -hmm. it's easier for us to deal with the challenge
2: Mm
1: I'm not saying you know taking advice from our elders won't keep things from happening life is going to happen bad stuff is going to happen but when we get give ear to wisdom and apply it, it works out real different than for people who don't give ear to
0: wisdom. Right. So and you know this applies in the world of business. this applies in the world of ministry, this applies in the world of education. as students, you need to listen to some people who are trying to help you along your journey. they're taking the time to to stand with you in solidarity. you know it's it's wise to listen. the wisdom that sits around the table Mm -hmm. it might help you uh prevent yourself from making a lot of mistakes Uh, um, especially you know i'm a person of faith i'm an ordained minister and i think it's a tragedy when i see young ministers thinking that they know it all Mm -hmm. and they're not willing they're a little bit too prideful and arrogant to listen to people who have come before them and done it and and you know with um in the business world um oh goodness mistakes are costly Yes. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> you know, mistakes are costly and you make these mistakes and, and, and you could end up, um, you know, really losing a lot. Mm-hmm. You okay. know, I'll, nev- I'll, never re- I'll never forget how I felt when to lose something. I don't like to lose money. Um, I-, I remember losing a lot. Of, well, it wasn't a whole lot, but I lost most of what I had in a stock market crash. And, and um, you know, I, it was oh, after many years, um, it came back, but it was a mistake that I made. Mm-hmm. Um, so so wisdom helps us to to avoid some mistakes. It's about not just wisdom is not just knowing things. And having some head knowledge, but it's about being able to make the right choices. Being able to
1: make the right choices, yeah. This is it. You know, you can know that saying jack of all trade and masters of none is a detriment to our society.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: In my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, I have to master something. Right. And properly applying wisdom, properly applying knowledge equals wisdom. Knowing a whole bunch of stuff. But that stuff not profiting me, that's just knowing a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. But when I can cause what I know to prosper me and to multiply and benefit mm-hmm. me, myself and those around me, that's good
0: stuff. Right. So, so, um, after all the things that we've talked about in this book, be redefining your, your success and, and refining and, and pivoting and changing, making adjustments to, to make your, um, your um, plans and, and to be in line with your goals. Um, you talk about, you end up on chapter nine, which is called love in action and love necessitates introspection. And then you come out with this, um, this happy wife, happy life, saying. I thought that was true.
1: (laughs) It can be. It can be. But oftentimes we use it and oftentimes it's mishandled. Can I say it like that? Sure. (laughs) Oftentimes it's mishandled. And I I had to get to a place to realize that the type of impact I had in my house. Mm Mm-hmm depending on how my emotions were swinging
2: mm-hmm.
1: right and the important thing is not to abuse that that mm-hmm. position right mm-hmm. that I have, that authority that I have I can't abuse it I had to learn myself I had to become emotionally intelligent mm-hmm. I had to learn what were my triggers what were some of the things that can make me go from zero to 100 mm-hmm and then it was my response. I also, I also had to learn how not to allow those things anymore to have that kind of control over me
2: mm-hmm.
1: and to send my house, have my have the people in my house on eggshells, so to speak. And now when I say eggshells, I don't mean like they're terrified and I'm um, the wicked witch of the West and everybody in my house was just, oh, God, here come mama. N- not like that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But as as mothers, we can't do that. We can't do that. I had to become, I had to learn myself. I had to learn my children. I had to learn my husband in different ways. I had to learn how to respond to different situations, how to communicate effectively with each one of my children because they're five different individuals, five different individual personalities and depending on my emotional state of condition was going to be how each one of them responded to me and Mm -hmm. how they would receive instructions that I was trying to give them. The same thing with my husband. Mm -hmm. It required a lot of introspection and I put it as love in action because without a doubt I love my family Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and my love in action was me learning how to manage me Mm -hmm. so that I can be in a better position to help my family. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, you know, when you say how to manage me, if we are, first of all, if we are too busy to take a look inside of ourselves and, and try to figure out what is triggering us, why am I feeling the way that I feel? Why do I feel rage right now? Why do I feel sadness? Why do I feel guilt? Uh, we need to look at those things. Um, uh, you know, I told you the other day that I know a, a, a woman came to me and told me that as soon as she opens her Bible without even reading it, she feels convicted. Mm. And I'm like, well, why? <laughs> you, have, you didn't even read it yet. Right. And it's because of what she's, her, her a perception of what's in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Um, So we need to pay attention to the to the things that are going on inside of us. And if you don't and you just allow yourself to be to be driven by um, triggers and drive you into rage. I mean, I don't know about you, but I used to work for somebody. I used to work for a boss in the corporate America that that always turned into to uh, he, he was he fell into this rage all the time. And and it affects as a leader. Mm -hmm. Um, it affects your your um, team yes it does and it hurts your team and it hurts your um it hurts the your ability to do well Mm -hmm. um so so not only in the family does it affect your family the emotional intelligence but in a position of leadership if you own a business Mm -hmm. and you have people working for you Mm -hmm. um you know a a good leader is not a terrorist Mm -mm. on the job you You can't mm -hmm.
1: You can't lead through fear. You know, when companies bring me in um to do trainings. One of the things that I let them know, especially if the company has a high turnover rate. Your high turnover rate is not a result of people not wanting to work. Your high turnover rate is a result of your leadership being piss poor Mm -hmm. and guarantee you have some individuals within key positions in your leadership. And when I say leadership, I mean HR and book, right? right? You have people that are not emotionally intelligent. They're not good leaders. They're not good communicators. They're not good people builders. Mm -hmm. Because people, money alone won't get people to stay on a job. They'll stay on that job collecting that check while they're looking for a new job. Mm -hmm. And will go take another job for less money if the work environment is better. Mm -hmm. So that's one area that I um, that I'm really passionate about when I'm working uh, with companies and training their key leaders uh, whether it's their first line uh, supervisors or on up to the the individuals in the C-suite. Because bad leadership has a trickle-down effect.
0: It sure does.
1: It has a trickle-down effect. So if you want your company to grow and prosper, then you want to foster an environment within your company where every team member feels just like that. Like they're a member of a team and
0: they matter. Mm-hmm. I have something to say about that. But before I do, I want to give a shout out here to somebody that's in on on, on on the listening in the listening audience. His name is Michael Thomas Jr. And Michael just sent me a, a message that said, "Thank you. Yes, I wholeheartedly agree. This body needs our elders. Great conversation." So, Michael, thanks for listening. Thanks yeah. for being here. And um, I guess this is a, uh, this chat function is a relatively new function with the Wisdom App. Um, but yeah, thank I don't you so- know how to use it yet. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's relatively new. That's the first time I used it. I, I just want to thank Michael for chiming in and, and let us know that somebody's actually listening here. Um, but so, thanks a lot, Michael. So now, now um, you, Michael, um, the the uh, oh man, the 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 leadership function. This is something that I ran into, and you might you might want to speak to this. I, um, we're talking about love. And love op- doesn't operate out of fear. Okay? No, it
2: doesn't.
0: Now, I, I was a vice president in bank, international banking on Wall Street, right? International trade finance. We, we move things around the world and move money around the world and all that. Um, large, large dollar okay, Hundreds of millions of dollars every day. Um, what, what my style used to be was that I didn't hold back information from the people that were reporting to me. Mm -hmm. Um, i would train them that they could do the job very well Mm -hmm. see some folk want to hold on to the information Mm -hmm. so they think that this makes them more valuable and and that people have to depend on them more Mm -hmm. i was the exact opposite i'd rather teach you everything that you need to know Mm -hmm. and i could walk around if i had to (laughs) that's it
1: that's it you know and,
0: and and so you know I had one guy that I worked with he used to be so secretive of, with the information that he ended up piling too much stuff on, on his own plate trying to make himself more valuable for the firm he would pile too much on his own plate and then not be able to get it done
1: yeah to his own detriment
0: to his own detriment so so um um uh, me pouring into other folks that were reporting to me helped the team um, do better, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we actually won global accolades and all that kind of stuff for our, our service to these top tier clients. But um, so you know, again, love in action is is not selfish.
1: Yes. it's not. It's not. Love in action is not selfish. Love in action is about giving of oneself. Mm-hmm. um in a way that you're providing value to the people that you're connected to and that love is not just in this situation I'm not just talking about um the love between a husband and a wife right you can find this in friendships you can find this in, you know, working relationships. You uh, definitely between parents and children and and loved ones. And yes, it within a marriage. Love is an action.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And when we understand what love is to us, we not, now we understand how to receive love, how to identify love, and how to give love.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it starts with making sure that I am. The best person that I can be because I can't demonstrate my love to you from an unhealthy place.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If I'm not healthy in all that I am, then I won't be able to give you all that I desire to give you.
2: Mm-hmm. Or
1: be all that I, the armies just have this thing be all that you can be. I, I, I won't be able to do that from an unhealthy place. So, love, love definitely is an action. And, and it does necessitate introspection mm-hmm. it's, in order for me to show up and to love my family the way that I desire to love them I have to have constant introspection
2: mm-hmm.
1: in order for me to demonstrate to my power team members that helped me create LaQuita's Toolbox, that helped me uh, to create and develop LaQuita Motley Solutions to run my company my love for them I have to demonstrate that and you might say well how do you love them there's different types of love mm-hmm. and I as a transformational leader I want to duplicate myself and I realize that the success of my team is necessary for my success and the success of my company allows my team to provide for their families. hmm And when you see it in that manner, I love them.
0: hmm That's right. That's right. So you ask, you you get to the point where you say you had to ask yourself some tough questions. Number one, in what ways have my emotions stunted my growth and the progress of our family? And again, this can be applied, this question that this look at yourself can be applied from a family context to a, a business managerial context, a faith leader context. But for any leader, you know, um, it's important to ask yourself the question, are my emotions um, stop holding me back. and mm-hmm. holding the growth of this organization back, or the growth of my family? Am I hurting? Am I hurting the family, or, or am I helping the family?
2: Yeah, yeah, excellent.
1: Unhealed hurts, unresolved issues, and unmet needs produce a plethora of emotions and responses. That when I have those things going on with me. The end result is I'm unable to perform in a healthy way, no matter where I'm at, mm-hmm. within my local church body, within my family, within my organization. Have you ever worked with an individual who came from a different company and come into your company, and that person was so hurt and bitter by the things that happened in their company
2: mm-hmm. that
1: their toxicity just began to seep through everything in your organization? Right. and they could they could only see through that set of hurt that the lenses that they operated and saw through in their work performance was through the hurt from the other organization
0: mhm mhm absolutely
1: we have to understand that our emotions are indicators mhm they indicate to us that something is right or wrong then our personal responsibility becomes seeking out the resources to receive the help, the healing that we need,
2: mm-hmm.
1: so that we can then become a healthier versions of ourselves, so that we can then show up the way we need to show up. That's my love in action.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you say. You say. What steps can I take now to shift the tra- trajectory, the trajectory of our family? So again, you know, applying this to family, um, business, uh, faith, ministry, um, it. We can't be so busy that we're not taking the time to stop and ask ourselves these questions.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and, and we, ha- we haven't become so successful in these areas that we're no longer in need of improvement.
2: This is
1: true.
0: There's always room for some growth and <laughs> improvement Yes, when it absolutely. comes to self-introspective, in- you know, looking at yourself and, and what's going on.
1: Yeah and, and I'm, I'm glad you said that because introspection doesn't mean that I'm beating up on myself Right. that's not what that means because in my introspection I don't just see the areas that still need work I can also see the areas where I'm pretty darn great like you know acknowledging that and rejoicing in that and having that attitude of gratitude in the areas where I am wonderful mm-hmm. we can be Mr. and Mrs. Wonderful in some areas and then in some other areas with Mr. and Mrs. under construction and I still need some work Mm -hmm. I don't disregard the areas where I'm wonderful and just only focus on the areas where I need work and vice versa I'm a complete individual so I look at me rejoicing and being able to be grateful and thankful for the areas that I am great empowers me it empowers me and motivates me and lets me know that I can work on those areas that still need work and those areas can become better. I can do it. If I did it over here, I can do it over there. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: You know, introspection is a good thing. So, you you know, you say that your commitment to Maturing your emotional intelligence created opportunities for you and your husband to have some much-needed heart-to-heart talks. Yes, and you know this. This also applies in the world of business and in the world of ministry. A family, business, ministry—it's applicable across all three three um, realities. Um, in the business world, you know we we um, we have these performance reviews and. And often the performance reviews are, first of all, they're sometimes they're, um, they have some underlying motivations that are not good. Uh, when I say that, I mean, you know, I, I can remember working in a place where they told me, well, listen, 30% of your people have to um, receive a low rating. Mm. And, and, and 60% of your people have to, uh, have to receive an okay rating and so only 10 percent can can have that above you know above the good they're going beyond the call of duty rating now that was problematic for me mm-hmm. because the people that i poured out into training were doing excellent all of them so mm-hmm. how can i turn around and tell a person you know what you're not cutting the mustard you're you're really doing bad when they've done actually done well so so um what i'm saying is that um Uh, If I was functioning out of love, I I would try to figure out a way to to actually reward people for their um, um, for their doing good and and not be driven by um, organizational um, politics and and strategies to to dish out certain rewards to some and and not to others. Woo, that was (laughs) (laughs) that gave me flashbacks. (laughs) <laughs> of where I used to sit at. <laughs> so so the the heart to heart talk. So performance reviews then if I mean if, as a as a manager you have to you have to give some sort of feedback to your to your people that are working for you, to the people that are on the team, right? Yes.
2: yes. But
0: but but you don't want to do this from a posture of disciplinary. No, Uh, no. no, You want to be it from a. You want to do it from a posture of helping them get get to where you want them to be. And and here's the thing that I've
1: learned that even when I have to address issues where people have shortcomings, they receive from me because I fostered relationship with them. Where they truly believe that I have, they know I have their best interests at heart. So when I do have to correct or instruct or point out gaps, Mm -hmm. it's not that I'm just beating them over the top of the head, Right. but it's actually because I want to build them and they receive it Mm -hmm. and they make the necessary shifts and changes, even if they don't agree with me. Mm -hmm. Even if they don't agree with me, because I leave open dialogue for them to speak to me on it. Mm -hmm. But the relationship that I foster, that I've developed with my team members, it gives them that open door for us to have that conversation and have that disagreement and agree that we're going to always disagree on that matter. Mm -hmm. But the respect part came in naturally. I didn't have to demand it. They respect my leadership and they they respect what I have to say. And so they make the changes Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and they do what I ask them to
0: do. Right. Because so the, the approach is it really? The approach
1: matters, matters, matters because from day one, I let them know they matter.
0: Right. Well, I'll tell you a funny story really quickly. Um, I, I was working in a bank, and um, the big boss hired somebody, and he told them, "I want you to go through these people's desks, and anything you find that's outside of normal, you know, our normal procedures, I want you to write them up." Right. and so the the supervisor was on a mission and was running around looking at everybody's stuff and writing up the people in the department who were writing them up left and right and And, you know and on and really enthusiastic about it and this is bad management (laughs) and and (laughs) and what happened though was that that manager went back to the big boss and said look at all this stuff i found this is this department is in bad shape and he said well, this is your department and you're fired. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so that was a whole dysfunctional approach mm-hmm. to managing people. So that's that's not acting out of love from the top down. And, and this wasn't about building people up. This is about tearing people down. Yes, it was. And yes, we don't want to do that. Exactly. And that's okay. That's when your emotions are out of control.
1: Yes. Yes. And that person was operating even from an unhealthy place. Right. Right. <laughs> <Like, laughs>
0: oh, man.
1: Yeah. They, they operating from a very unhealthy place because, you know, someone tells me to do that. My first thought is, well, why? Right. Why would I want to do that? Like.
2: Right. Right.
1: Why didn't you do that? You
0: know? Right. Like, <laughs> So, so um, we, we ended up here with uh, emotional intelligence equips us to love in word and deed and, and that is a uh, powerful place to, to end this book so again I'm going to ask you um, before we close up I want to say first of all thank you for um, um, allowing me to be part of this four part series and, and I, I really when I first heard of your, your project and the book I liked it I thought that Anything that, um, that lends itself to placing, helping people to get on a, a trajectory, tra- trajectory towards growth um, is good. And it's liberating. It's, um, it's transformational. And um, I just want to thank you for allowing me to be part of it. And I hope that our, our paths cross again sometime in the near future. Um, and so, um, again, I would just ask you to tell people where they can get the book.
1: Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. And I appreciate you for being a part of this and allowing me to come onto your platform and, and talk about my book. Um, and the the wisdom that you've given me and the insights that you've shared really touched me. It's like, wow, I didn't really get that. You know, like, wow, that that was amazing. So I thank you for this opportunity. But um, to those that are listening that want to uh, purchase the book, it is available on Amazon, Amazon. Uh, The book is called Redefining Success, eight tools that I've used to develop a growth mindset. You can also purchase the book directly from me on my website. If you go to www.makidamondley.com, you are able to purchase uh, the paperback uh, version of the book. And those that purchase it through my website, you do get uh, an autograph copy of the book. Uh, For a limited time, um, I do have uh, a limited amount of links that I am giving away for free, the free uh, Kindle version of my book. So if you go to my website, you'll see where you can register and receive the, a free Kindle version of my book right there on the website. As I said that for a limited time, I do have a few of those left uh, that I haven't given away yet. And so that, uh, that ability to, um, register for those will stay there on the website until I've given away all of those links. So I'm looking forward to connecting with many of you that have taken the time to come on over the last four weeks. And if this is your first time, thank you for coming. Um, Please follow me here on wisdom. I do follow back and on my wisdom profile, you'll be able to find links that will take you out to my various social media, LinkedIn clubhouse, um, and Twitter. You can also find the link that takes you to my podcast. And my podcast is called Liquida's Toolbox. Uh, The purpose of the podcast is to provide the listener with actionable tools that are easily implementable into your life to help you grow uh, in your personal growth and development journey, as well as tools to use to grow as entrepreneurs. So it's been a great experience, Reverend Glover. Thank you again for for having me and allowing me the space. I do
0: really appreciate it. Well, it's been a a great time to actually reflect on some of the things that have been said in this book. I might even be able to draw a sermon out of this book. So... So if you, <laughs> see me, if you see me, I'll promise I'll put my fingers up like quotation marks when I'm saying something that you said. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, saying that, I just want to um, thank you for coming, and I want to thank all the people who are listening in. And we'll see you next time next week. I'm hoping to have a um, uh, somebody who's going to give us a, a introductory introduction to. A professor who's going to bring some introduction to the biblical text, and 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 not at a a really advanced level, but for those who are maybe curious about what it is in this book, in this book that we call the Bible, we're going to go through some of those um, concepts and and literary um, uh, devices and all that kind of stuff. So I, I look forward to meeting with this group again next Sunday at the same time. So. Thank you once again for listening to Faith Talk. And and Dr. Mommy, thank you so much for allowing me to be a part of all of this.
1: Thank you again. I'm looking forward to next Sunday. I'm coming with my pencil
0: and my pen. All right. (laughs) God bless. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you. God bless you, sir. Thank you.